Good morning, good morning. Um, how many people know that the message of the gospel is simple? It's that we love the person in front of us with the love that God has given us that we are able to access because of what he did on the cross. How simple is that? But here's the thing about love. Love is something that we experience, it can grow naturally and organically, but it is also something that we can intentionally develop. We can intentionally put ourselves in a place where we learn to love better, where we learn to receive love better. That's amazing. Say, that's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So I'm going to invite a couple of people to come and join me today. Um, Malcolm and Claire and John and Maureen, come on up. Let's give them a clap because it's a bit daunting. One of the ways that we can help love to grow is that we put ourselves in position where we are in the community that God intended us to exist within. And one of those places is in the small groups across the life of the church. So both these guys are involved in small group. I'm just going to um, ask them some questions. So let's just start over here. So Malcolm and Claire, tell the church a little bit about yourselves. Hi there. Um, Claire and I, uh, we've been married for 35 years. Uh, uh, we uh, have been Christians probably for uh, even longer. Um, uh, we both have born and grown up in the south of England, and uh, we're musicians. We met at Music College, fell in love and got married. How romantic. Isn't it lovely? Uh, so we've been involved in new, new fronties in one way or another for a very long time and been very, very blessed. Uh, we have. <laughs> yeah, we've got four children. Very important. <laughs> four. Okay. So you... Um, when, when did you actually join God First? And tell us about why you decided to join a small group. Okay, we joined God First two years ago um, after the fun day at Highcliffe, actually. And um, we just love, love, love being here and just felt connected when we came along. And what was the second bit? Sorry. Oh, yes. Yeah, fantastic. So we did the academy the first year. And then um, we just... We got invited to join a small group and we just sort of felt a rise of faith and the sense that actually being in community is good and wanted to go on with God to the next bit and make relationship. I think the lovely thing was that we, when we uh, joined the group, we had a lovely opportunity to chat with the people who were running it and they were, they were just very clear about what the group was about. So we knew exactly what we were getting involved with, and, uh, which was very exciting. So in that case, did you get what you expected? Was the small group what you expected it to be? Yes, and more really. I think I, I was surprised at how much God blessed us through the lovely people we got to know. And also the words he spoke to us really sort of helped form, form us. Yeah, it was lovely. And it was exactly what we did expect. That was the lovely thing. We knew exactly what we signed up for, and it was a great time. I think the lovely thing about it was, was as Claire said, it was so much more because um, it was lovely because everybody, it was really lovely the way the leaders were able to sort of stand back a bit and just encourage everybody to get involved. So it really was, the group was very much, if you like, a group effort. And the result was that there were so many lovely, godly people in the group, and we were just so blessed as we basically helped to minister to each other. 
Thank you. Thank you, guys. Let me move over here to John and Maureen. <laughs> so there will be some people that maybe don't know you either. Would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Yes, I'm John. This is my wife, Maureen, of 47 years. Um, yeah, she's got 10 children. <laughs> We've got two children, a boy and a girl, who are lovely, and uh, two, three grandchildren, and three step-grandchildren. <laughs> At the last count, anyway. Um, you want to say about yeah. I'm going to ask you another question. I'm going to ask you, because you actually lead a connect group um, in the church. Malcolm and Claire are also going to lead one this year. But um, I, I have to ask you, how long have you been involved in running connect groups across the various churches you belong to? 47 years. So the thing about connect groups, um, I've led connect groups, and um, it's actually, uh, you know, it's every week. You're involved with the pastoral care of the people in your group. You're building friendships. You're sharing scripture. There's all that kind of work involved in it. I have to ask you, why do you do it? <laughs> why do you choose to lead a connect group? I think because um, right from <coughs> when we were first married, God has given us lovely homes and he's also given us a gift of hospitality and love for people yeah. so that's what we do and that's why we do group and you do it very well <laughs> there are weeks when I wonder why <laughs> <laughs> when we want to give up um, you know we have thought about stopping but <laughs> But God says no, and our home group say no. <laughs> okay, let's move. So just to finish, both of you, just one thing, one sentence you would say to people here who are not yet in a small group that are thinking of joining a small group. One thing you would say. I would say that we need each other. We need each other because in order to grow, you don't do it alone. You actually grow in the context of family. I think it's God's kind intention for you two. I think you can't know everybody in a church's size. So being in a small group, you stand together, you hurt together, you rejoice together. And we've had that in our group when our group have stood by us when we're crying. But they rejoice with us at the small breakthroughs. So it's living together, it's being together, it's sharing together, it's being there for one another. And that's... That's right. That's so right, isn't it? A sense of belonging is so important. And, uh, yeah, I'd encourage you, if you're not in a group, even the elders. We've got one elder in our group. <laughs> It's true. When I was an elder, I was um, coordinating home groups, as they were called in those days. And um, then someone said, you ought to be in the group. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I could be in the group. 
So I'd say that from a heart. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. You're amazing. So we have over 20 groups across the life of the church. Some of them have filled up already, but there are lots and lots of spaces and other groups, whether you want to be somewhere where you can be really challenged in your faith, whether you just want to go on a walk with somebody and be part of an interest group. All the information that you need is in our Connect Group booklet. It's also on the web and on Church Suite. Please, please don't miss out. Groups start next week. They run until the summer next year. Get yourself part of a community. Get yourself in a place where you can intentionally learn to love and learn to be loved. Thank you. Very good. Woo. Excellent work. Thanks, Shirley. Good morning. If you are sitting there, you're thinking, who's this guy with this strange accent? Uh, my name is Mornay, and I'm one of the elders that just got a little slap on the wrist. Thanks, John. Where's John? So, um, how, however, there's still time to sign up to the Academy this year, which I am going to be on this year. Amen. So, um, so that's going to be my group this year. But, um, you know, so Shirley, I just want to honor you for how well you're running our Connect Group system here in the church. So we just give Shirley a great hand? And, uh, And, you know, Shirley's desire, you will, as you would notice, is, I mean, in some ways, just one of the guys have said already is, like, I feel like we're kind of done. I think you've got the value of what we want to do as a church family. But, you know, our hearts, just like Shirley's heart and our heart as a leadership here, is that we are a church that don't just come here on a Sunday morning and kind of, like, you know, consume and then run away. But actually a place where you really, truly do come belong and get connected in. Whether it is in the connect group, whether it's in serving, whether it's in the academy, wherever it might be, that you don't just come in and consume and run, but actually a place where you belong, a place where people get to know you. And you know what? It's, it's fascinating. When you read the Bible, it has this language about brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, and God is our Father. It's got this language connotations of family, right? It's like throughout the whole Bible, we've got this thing about family. And it's like, when I think about that a little bit, it's like it's, it changes. It's not just a Christian coming into a community here and sitting and kind of doing something. It's that we are truly brothers and sisters who have been united through the Spirit of God, through the waters of baptism, and that we are now as this one community, this household of God, together with a loving Father. Right? Amen? And so I want to just talk a little bit about that because what happens is the family dynamic, right, in this world and even in ages past has always been under attack, right? Do you understand this? So like even in the Garden of Eden, when God the Father has got these children, there's this son and this daughter, and they are like, you know, together in unity and together with God in unity and together in the world, if you want, activating to go and, you know, whatever they're supposed to do, to take the kingdom of God and extend it, that Satan hates it. And so what happens is the family dynamic is like being under attack from the very beginning. And so what happens is when God then, if you want, you see in the Bible that God has this idea. It's almost like as the family gets fractured, like this unity between God and man is destroyed, this unity between men and women gets kind of tension. 
you find what happens is God is like constantly as a father throughout the Bible. He's like a, a father dramatically desperate to get his family back in order. You, have, you, have you seen this movie? Um, it's quite violent, to be fair. Um, um, Liam Neeson's Taken. Who's seen that movie before? Some of you are like, I won't put my hand up for that. <laughs> but if you don't know Liam Neeson, this movie is basically his daughter gets like, like, like kidnapped by these traffickers. And there's this wild, crazy father who is absolutely beside himself. He goes across the whole globe in order to go and find his daughter, right? And then, he, of course, he goes and kills, and he does all kinds of crazy stuff. But what you get is you get this father that's absolutely, he will stand for nothing. He will, nothing will stop him at to get his daughter back, right? And this is what our God is like. It's like he goes beyond, like, reasonable understanding to go and pursue you and me to get us back into the family of God. So you get this. Even, for example, in the book of um, Psalms, in chapter 68, it says this in the message version, it says, um, up with God, down with his enemies, adversaries run for the hills, gone like a puff of smoke, like a blob of wax in the fire, one look at God and the wicked vanish. That's our father. When the righteous see God in action, they laugh and they sing. They laugh and they sing for joy, sing hymns to God, all heaven sing out, Clear the way for the coming of cloud rider. Enjoy God. Cheer him when you see him. But why? He's a father of orphans. A champion of widows. Is God in his holy house. God makes homes for the homeless. Leads prisoners to freedom. But leaves rebels to rot in hell. The ESV says, says it this way. Of, of, of verse 5 and 6. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is, is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary, those who are alone, those who are lost, those who have no purpose, those who have kind of no reason to live almost, the solitary. He puts them in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. That's the heart of God always is doing is to draw people in, you and me, into his household. In Galatians, it says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also his heir. This is the language of the kingdom of God. It's a father who is desperately after his sons and his daughters to bring them into the household of God. It's much more than you and I just coming in on a Sunday morning and just kind of like thing and then running away again. There's a, like this bond between us that should be between us that we are going to be a community that for the next billion years are going to be in the kingdom of God. Not just for this little moment and then maybe flit off to another place somewhere else because I don't like it here. No. We are together as family, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. And so what I find interesting is like, um, and sometimes when you look at certain things, like you know when you look at nature, for example. Nature is like, you look at the majesty and awesomeness of nature, for example. And what happens is you might see that there's 
the, the beauty of it. And what it's supposed to do is you don't stop at the beauty of nature and like, oh, that's very lovely. What's supposed to happen is it's supposed to bring you up and think, how awesome and majestic is our God, right? Or, for example, when you look at a human being, what's supposed to happen is you look at the intricacies of the human being and how they can reason and, and think and be creative and so on. And then you're like, wow, this human being is amazing. But we don't stop there. We're supposed to look up and say, isn't God awesome, the creator who made it like that? And then when you look at the family unit, the dynamic, like actually the unit, like a mother and a father and with kids, for example, in God's design, what's supposed to happen is the husband is to be that one where he serves his family with such like abandonment in such a way that it costs him to serve his family because he wants the best for them. The reason why that is the case is because it's supposed to be a picture of what Jesus is and how he serves the church, you and me, right? But then the dynamic of you, of actually a, a biological family of a unit, like literally like just a husband and wife and kids, that how that functions is supposed to be a picture of how the kingdom of God is supposed to function broadly. Do you know that? So I'm going to mention a few things. And um, this has helped me. So this is going to go two ways for you. If you're sitting here and you're not married, don't worry. This is not going to be a parenting exercise, okay? So just relax. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I'm, not, I'm only like a single parent, for example. I don't even have kids or whatever. Don't worry because it's all going to still apply to you. To all of us in this in this process, okay. But for those who are parents, I think this is going to help you just to, because this did help me. This kind of concept helped me to think about how I'm parenting my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old. And this guy called Paul Tripp, he says this, which I find very helpful. He says, families are God's primary learning community, not information community, a educational a learning community, a place that shapes and molds the, the human being. It is the agent, sorry, it's the job of the family is to distinctly be educational. It's the agent God uses to form the character in the child. Family is intended to be theological, a sociological, and a redemptive community. Now, don't freak out when you hear those terms, okay, because I'm going to explain them very quickly in 10 minutes. A theological community. A theological community is a community of people who learn about God. The family must be the point, must be the point to the being, or point to the being, the character, and the plan of God. You know, for example, when in, I'm talking about a nuclear family, just like a parents and sort of like you know, with your like family when you're sitting at home and stuff. This man talks about, he says, God must be constantly on your lips. Like, use any excuse that you can to start to talk about God. Not indoctrinate and push it into your kids, for example, but this opportunity to think as I'm walking on the beach, as I'm walking, as I'm having a conversation, as you are making bread, as you're doing all kinds of things, is how do you use those opportunities to talk about how this reflects somehow the majesty and wonder of God? You see? So, for example, the other day, as we are talking in our family about God and so on, we're sitting at a dinner table. And we're chatting about something. I think the kids had an argument with each other. And then we were talking about sort of her behavior and da 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 da, da and so on. And of course, dad is using this, this theological community idea. I'm going to talk about God. I'm going to learn something. And um, so I'm talking some stuff and I'm talk, talking some stuff about God. And, so, and one of my kids, I won't say which one, pipes up and says, um, But God does bad stuff. 
right? Well, that's, a, that's like interesting, isn't it? Suddenly what's happened is in that little community, that nuclear mini theological community, my child has just revealed what they think about God, a concept of who God is. And suddenly how we are transformed as human beings, because our strapline is to be a transformed uh, community, right, that transforms the world. Is that this idea, this transformation that takes place is this, in this little community is this thing that's actually where I start to shape how I think about who my God is, right? So suddenly you've just revealed what you think about your God. And in this wider community, this is when we are together, it's a place where we shape our understanding about who God is constantly. It's not just like, well, let's just do sing songs. In this environment, whether you're in connect groups or whether you're serving or whether whatever community you're in, in the academy, what's happening is in this theological world that we are in as a community, a family, we are constantly being shaped about what we think about God. Because the greater your God becomes, the greater your courage becomes, the greater your understanding is about what you can do in this world. And so what happens is in that environment, we are shaping our understanding of each other all the time. Amen? I'll go quickly another one. The second one was this. A sociological community. Listen, a family is relational. It's God's design that we would live in community with willing self-sacrificing love for one another. You know, when you have that little family dynamic, when your child is born, do you remember this moment for those who have parents? It's like you've got the little baby. They're growing up, and you're like, okay, listen, you've got to say please. Do you know what I mean? It's like, say please when you get a thing. And then you say thank you, right? And then you like get to a point where you say, listen, um, it's not a good idea to put your, your hands around your sister's neck, okay? You have to remove that. <laughs> Just because she made you angry, you can't strangle her, right? And by the way, when you go to someone's house, you can't just grab the toy and then rip it and then go cr crying. Or you can't walk in the shop and just like, you know, fall on the floor and scream because you couldn't buy, your parents didn't buy you something, right? <laughs> I know that I sort of still do that, but that's another story. But what happens is in that little community, what happens is you are learning as a family, you're learning how to actually just be a human being, right? How to function properly. And then in that community, what happens is, it's like, I get to know your personality, and I'm seeing how awesome you are. Oh, man, you, I see amazing strengths in you. I see how your character is developing. And like, oh, man, I'm behind my kids full on, right? And then other times, I'm like, that is some, some evil coming out of you there, right? <laughs> I mean, hence we tape our kids to the floor. Anyway, the stuff. But um, and what, hap what happens is, in that little community, what happens is in the wider community, you and I are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And what happens is just like we are learning in a mini community and a family how to live in this world and be a functional human being, in the kingdom of God, as citizens of heaven, we need the family to learn how to live in the kingdom of God. You understand what I mean? Like, listen. What does a culture of honor look like in the kingdom of God among each other? How do we function when I'm not liking how you behave? How do I function, you and I together, when I don't like how you, when we have conflict with each other in the kingdom of God? How does grace extend among us as a family? How does authenticity 
and honor work together within this family dynamic together. Do you understand? You see, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are, have to live through a completely different dynamic to the rest of the world. So this environment is a place where we unlearn a lot of things and then we learn new things constantly. Where our minds are shaped about who our God is and our minds are shaped about who we are as citizens of the kingdom of God. That's how the family is supposed to function. You see, what happens is, if you are an isolated Christian, meaning it, Christians that just kind of don't even engage in church environments, they get wacky. They behave strangely. Christians that don't engage in a church environment and become part of a family where they make themselves vulnerable to be transformed in their thinking and their behavior, they have wacky ideas about God. Because it's a place where our minds are shaped about who our God is, our minds and actions are shaped about who we are in this environment. Do you understand? You know, it's like, it's fascinating. So the other day, um, you know, in a kind of nuclear family, uh, our Ethan, he's, um, he's sitting and he's sitting down and he's looking at his phone and the head of the, the, the primary school head walks past him and he's now in year eight and he's picking up his sister so he's just waiting and she walks up to him and she says to him, oh we heard that you got a great award last year in year in year seven and and he's sitting and he's talking to she's talking to him while she's standing and he's sitting down and afterwards leanne's like hey it's just courtesy stand up when someone talks to you like that right this is like a shaping how I, how do I function in a kind of environment? You see, what happens is, when you just scope that kind of stuff out within the kingdom of God, it's like we have these conversations with each other about, hey, listen, that kind of behavior wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Like, hey, maybe we should talk about it because that doesn't come in line with what it should look like, for example, in the kingdom of God. Do you understand what I mean? And so we make ourselves vulnerable as family members to each other to learn how to grow and to develop in this kingdom community. Amen? Right, last one, quickly. There's another one. And as for parents, I don't know if this helps you as parents. When I think about these categories of theological environment, learning about God, the sociological environment, like learning just to be human beings, I think it helped me how I view my parenting. And then thirdly, this last one, that the church is to be, or the family is to be, to be a redemptive community. The family should point to the redemption of Christ. You see, you know what? As a nuclear family, as a small family together, as parents and kids, we, we look at this, who our God is and who we are, and we come before God and we say, look, God, we can't do any of this stuff without your, without your empowerment in me. I'm like, I can't be perfect. So I stand before God and I say, God, before your grace and your amazing cross, thank you, God, that you've forgiven me. I can't attain to some of this stuff. God, thank you that you love me still, that you accept me, that I don't have to be this amazing performing per person, that before you I can stand in the love and the acceptance of God, right? So sometimes as a family, Ethan and I will sit on the bed together and we were like, all right, well, I think we both need to ask God's forgiveness now because you behave really badly. I behave really badly. Before God, we need redemption. Amen? And so for us, as a community, it's like, 
Before we got to say, we are a redemptive community. Before God, we constantly think about the grace and the wonder of God, the acceptance of God. Because, you know what? Some of the stuff we're not going to be able to do perfectly while we're on this earth. But then it turns the other way around. It's also the, this, this idea that we are a redemptive community that share the redemption of God to the world around us. That people should be able to look into this community and say, there is something different here. That there's something about the love of God that is just expressed through you guys. There's something about the grace of God that just seems to permeate through this community. That's redemption. A transformed people that transform the world. It's this idea that as we are shaped constantly through community, through family, that eventually that transformation takes place into the world wherever we are. Amen? So I want to encourage you. This, I know that in this room there's multiple layers of people here. Like Some of you are just looking in. Some of you just arrived, looking in for the first day. Some of you have been here for years and so on. Can I just encourage us to think again about we are not just a club that is sort of just subscribed to something here. I think this idea of family, I think we're going to explore the dynamics of that more and more as the church goes on. Amen? So to, to, to be a transformed people, we get transformed through multiple things, the Bible and the Holy Spirit and on and on I can go. But this idea of being a transformed people that God uses the family dynamic if we surrender to that, what amazing things God can do. Because it's true, right? Because when I see my kids, I'm all for them. I'm not like jealous about my kids being further than what I am. You know what I mean? My, my child is a far better musician at 12 than what I can be at 45. And I'm not jealous about that. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Keep going, right? And in this environment, it's like, man, you're awesome. Go, go, go. Not like, I'm annoyed because you're better than I am at that thing or whatever, right? And that's how we, brothers and sisters, that spur each other on to godliness and to who knows what God else has called you to. Amen? So um, I've got um, two action points for you. The one is, if you're not part of the family unit here yet, I want to seriously, before God, say, God, I want to get involved. Okay, whatever that might look like. If this is your first time here today, hey, take your time, no, no stress. But if you are kind of still thinking and wondering, I want to say step in. If you want to go into a connect group, sign up. Like don't wait till you get home, go there and go sort it out, okay? If you are, want to be part of the academy, I mean, so you still got, I think today is the last day you can sign up for the academy, okay? And then this is, and this is the thing I want to, this is, a, I want to encourage you guys to do this, okay? You've got a, about two months, three months to do this. Between now and December, why don't we look at one person that's never been in your house before and invite them to your house? Just one person or two. Have them when you want. But the point is, the rule is, they've never been in your house before. And won't you invite them? Because showing hospitality, like Maureen was saying earlier, you know, hospitality breaks down cultural barriers. And there's cultural barriers even in this room. Right? So invite somebody into your house, have a meal with them or coffee or something, I don't know, whatever, and see how you start to build friendships and relationships and family in this place. Amen?